2: Do you remember when Greg's opened after lockdown and you could freely, willingly, whenever you want, get a vegan sausage roll off your own wheel? That's how excited I am. right, let's do it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, how I've missed clapping on my own in my bedroom. (laughs) Hello. Welcome. We're back. Yeah. Just had about a five years hiatus. Um, (laughs) Well, you know, I was sort of I was sort of persuaded into bringing it back, actually, uh, by my lovely friend Debbie. Um, Debbie thinks that after the tone is the best thing I've ever done. Now, there's part of my like, performance ego that always wants to tell Debbie, excuse me, Debbie, I've actually performed at some of the world's most renowned arts institutions. <laughs> but apparently something I made off my iPhone 5 in a bed sit in Camden Town is the best thing I've ever done. So we thought, you know, at the world and its mother is doing a podcast at the moment. So why the fuck shouldn't we join in? Um, if you're new to this, hello. Nice to see you, or hear you, just hear you nice. Anyway, stop. Okay, uh, my name is Scotty, um, and this is After the Tone. Evidently, you know that because you've searched it and pressed the button, so I don't know why people say that at the top of podcasts, because we all know why we're here. Well, do we? I mean, that's what we're going to find out. Uh, After the Tone, is a bit like a late night radio phone-in where everyone is pissed or off their rocker, Or a performance poet. (laughs) Oh my God, I forgot how many fucking shitty poets always call up. There's always poetry. People are always like, hey, I just wanted to like shower you. Some like really important words that I wrote on the night bus. (laughs) And I'm always like, "Ah, I'm I'm so glad you called. Anyway. I digress, that's just my relationship with spoken word, I think. Each week, I basically come into my bedroom with my phone, I've got an iPhone 10 now, don't worry about it, the quality sounds probably a little bit better, and I come in, I load up the machine, I listen to your um, voice notes, I've never heard them before, and I just respond to them, it's proper lo-fi, it's a bit of a laugh, I send it to my mate Debbie, who produces it, we put it on the internet, bish bash bosh, Bob's your uncle, and uh, actually, Funny you should say that. That is a turn of phrase that actually was quite true in my life at some point. Why am I telling this story? Anyway, um, my aunt had a boyfriend called Bob, who we all called Spotty Bob, because Bob had acne. Isn't that awful? Tells you the times in which I grew up, the late 90s. But they lived behind the joiner's arms. little showbiz fact there, um, which is a gay bar that no longer exists in Hackney in east of the London For our international listeners. Why can't I ever talk? I just would love one day for me to be able to say words properly. I mean, I am going to need an education. I can't even say that. I am going to need an education and elocution lesson. <laughs> Why well, it's like the spirit of Liza Minnelli. Oh my god, rest in peace. She's not dead, but you never know. This podcast's going out in a few days. It's all touch and go. Right before I put my foot in it anymore, let's do it. Here we go. Episode one, fifty p in the meter. Let's hear your first message. Hi,
3: uh, Scotty, this is Angel's South End Dry Cleaners. Um, We've got that suit you dropped off um, just before COVID, Um, um, the white suit. Um, Yeah, uh, we've managed to get the shit stain out. Could you pick it up for us? As I say, it's Angel's South End Cleaners. Thank you.
2: (laughs) (coughs) Exhibit A. Do you know what I mean? I told you. These people who leave messages... <laughs> I mean, where do you go with it? Do you know what I mean? I'm just going to have a Google, actually. Could you imagine? <laughs> because I'm just going to see if there is an Angels in Southend. By the way, listener, I live in a place called... Um, I was going to say, I live in a place called Angels. I live in a place called Southend-on-Sea, and... So this is, this is like real niche knowledge. Angel Cleaners Southend. (gasps) There is! There's a cleaning company here called (laughs) They're commercial cleaners. What do they do? Price range. Why choose Angel? Well, they say. This isn't a fucking advert, by the way. I'm just generally... Intrigued, uh, Angel Clean is is a tried. I'm dyslexic, so I thought that's a tired, <laughs> tried and trusted commercial cleaning company operating in south end and many of the surrounding areas. Our team are experience friendly and insured cleaners, which is what you want out of life, isn't it? Um, they're eco friendly. Who are their clients? Reco- not found. Well, I won't be going with you, will I? It says keep in touch. Not found. Come on, sort it out, angels. Eco-friendly. Not found. Well, tells you the sign of the times, isn't it? And thank you, (laughs) caller, for your first message. I'll tell you what, there is a tangent to this in which I feel like you've done me a favour. Speaking of shit, I love a shit story. You know, like some people are a bit prudish. They're like, oh, I'm just going to use the bathroom. I love nothing more when someone goes, I'm going to go have a shit. (laughs) I think it's a really common thing. I think working class people are listening to this. We'll all know that, you know, when you go to the toilet, you just go, right, I'm having a shit. I'm having a dump. Oh, do you know what? I just think, why hide it? But do you know what I really enjoy? I enjoy a shit story. I enjoy a story that involves the excrement of a human going wrong. Because I think we've got to normalise it. My friend Annabelle's got a great one which involved her having bum sex and it going terribly wrong and a what you call a tumble dryer that she thought was a washing machine in a friend's house. Hot shit. But so do you know what? Actually, if anyone's got any shit stories, hot shit, mediocre shit, lukewarm shit, I'm not bothered about the temperature. I would very much enjoy... It. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this, but I would quite like to hear shit stories. Scotty yo
3: Mum 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 Mum
2: Mum Mum Yeah, that's all I've got to say for that. Look at that. Isn't that good? You know, when people do that, I don't know if I should say this aloud, but I feel a bit, I get a bit, I get a bit flustered. I'm not going to lie, because I think, quite good with their mouth, aren't they? Do you know, is that just me? Is that deeply inappropriate? I think it's a real skill. Do you know what? Particularly with that one, I think it's a real skill. You know, because some people do the, boom, 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 ki, boom, and you're like, hmm. Yeah. But that one, it sounds like a, a song. I, I, I'm literally challenging my nan. It sounds like, it sounds like a record. <laughs> it does, though, doesn't it? Isn't that good? I love it. But do, how does somebody come to know that they can do that? In which world do they go... In which world are they, like, you know, doing the washing and they bend over and they go... Bow! And they say, oh, do you know what? I could put that together with the noise that I do when I go shopping, which is... K- boom, b- k- boom, b- k-. Maybe it's not that fucking hard. Actually, I just did it there. Oh, it's a fucking piece of piss.
1: Hi, Scotty. It's Jen. How are you doing? I miss you. I'm so glad it's rained. Deb and I are still in bed. She's making me try out this number. And Paddy is sleeping in the wardrobe. On Deb's dad's old jumper Which is his favourite place to sleep Love to you and to James Hope to see you soon my beautiful Goodbye
2: Oh isn't that lovely Just a little personal note there for episode one From my friend Jen Just for context before social workers Start calling up Paddy is a cat Okay that's <laughs> so The reason why Paddy is in a wardrobe <laughs> Is probably because Paddy's chosen to be there Okay <laughs> Just wanted to put that out there, um, and also, yes, Jen, I would like to say I'm very grateful for the rain as well. As a woman of a larger body, I—I'll tell you what—I had sweaty tits, and I think that people who don't have tits don't understand. The mixture between sort of pleasure and uncomfort that sweaty tits gives you. Now, if you don't have breasticles, you will probably be thinking of a wet tit. Incorrect. What I want you to be thinking of is the crease underneath the tit gets sweaty. And this adds a lubricant to the breast, which, you know, is bit, it just feels a bit nice. I'm not going to lie, Okay. But it also gets on your tits after a while. In, <laughs> in more ways than one. Um, uh, what else did you say in your message? Oh, yeah, James is um, me husband. So that's who James is. I just thought, you know what I mean? I feel like... You know, like when your friend tells you a story about a group of people that you don't know and you have to sort of explain who everybody is and um, sort of give them a thoughtful introduction. I feel like I've just done that. But anyway, do you know what? I like the gossipy ones. I like it when you call up just for a little chat because you know what? We all need a
4: little chat from time to time, don't we, babe? Hi, Scotty. It's your favourite brown person. (laughs) I'm not sure if that's true. I don't know your life. Uh, But my therapist says I need to be more confident in myself, so I am claiming it. I'm Scotty's favourite brown person. Um, I don't have much gossip today, so I just thought I'd pop in because I've got a little memory. I came across um, some wedding pictures of mine. It's my wedding anniversary next week. And there was a lovely picture of you on the middle of the dance floor um, with some other black and brown folks. And it's important to note that they were black and brown because uh, you were all starting the electric slide, because um, a song would come on called Candy. So, for everyone who knows the candy dance, I just thought it was quite iconic that it was literally you plus a bunch of brown and black folk who had started this dance. Um, and you were wearing a cute little outfit as well with like a red Tony Blair tie as well. So it was very cute. Um, the other bit of news I have is I'm getting a dog. Yeah, so I'm I'm turning into the gay married cliche and I'm so happy about that. Um, super cute. I'll probably send you a picture at some point. And I think my Instagram will just be, you know, dog pics. So I'm sorry about that. Um, anyway, love you, miss you. I think we have to do a bougie brunch soon because we need that in our lives. Oh, isn't that lovely?
2: That's my mate, Asad. And yes, Asad, you are my favourite brown person. Although, you know, I don't want to start a competition. It's not a competition. It kind of is, and you are winning, hon. Um, anybody who's seen any of my work, you would have seen perhaps a show that I make called Fat Blokes. Well, Asad's in that. Asad, and do you know what? Every night, Asad gets the little posse. There's always a posse, a, ha- a harem of people who are like, Oh my God, it has to! Hi, Asad, I love you, Assad. And I, I'm completely fine with it. <laughs> I am a big fan of the candy dance. Dun, 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 As soon as you hear that, I'm like, here we go, come on. And I'm not competitive. <laughs> but it's one of those moments where I just feel like it's like 14-year-old council Scotty is like allowed to be whoever she wants to be. And I remember I said, for your wedding, that wasn't a Tony Blair red tie. Here we go. This is a bit of a Catholic culture. I was dressed as a small child going for that Holy Communion. So Irish Catholic people who are listening will will have built a picture in their brain. I had little shorts on with a blazer and a red tie. um, And I looked like I was going to go say to God that I'll forever be yours. Isn't it strange? Well, I'm talking about Catholicism here. Here's a tangent. We're going to stay on it. It doesn't matter. It's my podcast. Isn't it strange in Catholicism, right? We tell children from a very young age, don't play with yourself. Don't you be playing for yourself. And you're only to be playing with girls. But you're not to be playing with girls too young. And you're not to be drinking. And you're not to be taking the drugs. The drugs. All of them. And you're to devote yourself to Jesus Christ, our Saviour, our Lord and Holy Mary, Mother of God, for the rest of your life. But in the same breath, we happily tell children, yeah, it was uh, nailed to a cross and tortured and killed and left there. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like, don't you be doing these bad things? And by the way, torture! It's a very bizarre thing, isn't it? Although I do think, I think my first theatre experience was the Stations of the Cross. For any people that wasn't born in a cult, (laughs) it's essentially where the priest walks you around some paintings and goes, oh, Jesus carried a cross, oh, Jesus fell down with a cross and a man called Simon came along. I think he was called Simon. Anyway, um, back on to the matter in hand. Yes, I am also thinking about a dog. And me and James are. We've decided that I am going to win the breed. She said that before. There you go, little gay joke for the gays. <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. Uh, we're going to have a West Highland Terrier because I like them for non seasoned dog pros. That's the dog off the Caesar advert. And I want to call it Queenie. <laughs> Because I really like, like, half of my family are London Cockneys, and I really love those sort of old Cockney names, which are like Pearl, Leo, Flo, Queenie. Um, So I quite like to call a dog Queenie. Answers on a postcard if you think that's a bit gay.
1: Hi, Scotty. Jolie here. Uh, Long-time fan, first-time caller. Um, So I wanted to get something off my chest, The other day, somebody told me that I am beautiful in my own way. Uh, Now, I'm pretty sure they meant it as a compliment, um, but this is not the first time this has happened. I've also been called weirdly attractive. And I, I just can't understand how anyone would think that's a compliment because you're basically saying, look, you're butters, but I still find you attractive. I always assumed that it was my... Horrible personality that meant that I wasn't, you know dripping in soulmates. But now I'm starting to wonder Am I just ugly and has the internet been lying to me because they're always like oh my god. No, you're so pretty But if I'm attractive in a weird way, that means that most people don't find me attractive But I think I'm attractive and beautiful in all ways Anyway, it's just been playing on my mind because you know If I'm not beautiful, then what am I? Anyway, that's all. Love you. Bye. Actually, now thinking about it, that person also described me as bubbly, which we all know is, you know, like, fat way of saying attractive. So really, I think that what this person meant was she's attractive, but she's fat. Interesting. Interesting. Anyway, bye.
2: (laughs) Oh, classic. That classic stealth move by, I mean, I could be Mystic Meg here and tell you that this person wasn't fat and they probably had enough cultural capital that no one in their life has ever said to them, Oh, uh, you're ugly! Oh, uh, you're horrible! <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I hate people like that. You know, that you can just you just meet people in life, and you're like, no one's ever told you you're ugly, and I sort of want to tell you you are. And <laughs> I still sort of just want to go up to you and go, eh, you're ugly," so you can like join the rest of us in our insecurities and anxieties about the world. Um, God, fuck people and their security. Um, thank you very much for calling, Jolie. I totally hear this dilemma. And uh, I'm more than happy to take the position of Dr Miriam Stoppard and say to you, get to fuck, tell them to fuck right off. Um, Lovely in your own weird way. Oh, I'd rather, do you know what? I'd rather be lovely in my own weird way than be average. To be mainstream or to be conventionally good looking. Could you imagine could you imagine the upkeep and how boring it is to be conventionally attractive? Can you imagine how much fucking Love Island you've got to watch just to know how your eyebrows are supposed to look? Ugh. Oh, I couldn't, I I couldn't bear it. Oh, could you imagine what a mainstream average homosexual you'd have to be? You'd have to watch every episode of UK Drag Waste just so that you could see, like, what gays looked like with eyebrows and teeth and hair and manicures and, you know, like, happy. Fuck them. You know what? You would be weirdly attractive, Okay. And if you're not weirdly attractive, you can turn off now. Because I only want fucking weird, ass looking people who are bubbly listening to this. Because that's the other fucking thing. Larger than life, bubbly. go, Go fuck yourself. I am not larger than life. I actually would prefer just to be in the corner on my fucking own. But for some strange reason, I've got to interact with the rest of the fucking world. Don't call me bubbly. I'd much prefer to be called stubborn. Anyway, Jolie, it was lovely to hear from you, sweetheart. And you're more than welcome to be your weird self here.
5: Hello, Scotty. It's your friend, Travis, leaving you a message on your podcast. Cool. Um, I was going to try and make something really jokey, fun story, because apparently that's what we do. Um, But then I was like, actually, I'm going to say something that I haven't said to anyone else because there hasn't been space to do it and there's nothing like a confessional project that makes us um feel like we can be honest with each other isn't it um so i'm gonna try that i'm just gonna say that i really miss my cat my cat of 18 years died this month we had to go and put him down and um it feels like with so much going on in the world so much mass amounts of grieving so much real actual shit going on you know really hitting the fan that to take up space about my cat feels silly when I know there's so much other things going on in my life let alone the world as well but here I would just like it on record that Coco Buck Butter Alabanza was a fucking legend for 18 years and a really amazing companion to me and my mum and now my mum's on her own in her house And I hope she's going to be all right. That's my message. It's about my cat. That's who I've become.
2: (laughs) Well, I tell you what, there is nothing wrong with people calling up and having a little memory of their cat. Wasn't that a lovely message from my friend Travis? Travis, international performance artist and Instagram supermodel. Um... Loss is a strange thing, isn't it? It's a really bizarre thing. Now, I'm going to correlate this with <laughs> the loss of your cat with the the loss of my grandfather, which, you know, on the face of it sounds like a funny thing, but both of them big family members that were in our lives for a very long time. And grief is a weird thing because what... What I found about grief... This is, like, the first major significant um grieving process I've been through. And my granddad's dead now... Oh, what, three years? Yeah, coming up to three years last week, I think. Um, Is that... If I can tell you anything which is three years in the future, it's... It does get... It, it is a bit like a Stonewall advert. It does get better in this situation. Um... You you learn life without them, but the smallest of things and they're back with you. And I really appreciate that. I really appreciate that I will hear somebody's laugh and I'll be like, Oh Jesus, that sounds like him. Um, so a, a message back to you from the future is it will get softer. It will get kinder, but you will forever miss them. Hi, Scotty.
3: Um, I know you like your stories about Poo, so I would like to tell you uh, mine. How I, as being a gay man, have finally got over my gay shame of being a shit stabber, and well, since since becoming my mother's carer, twenty four hour carer, I've learned the delicate use of um, luck-to-lose, or Luxtolus or luck-to-lay, or luck-to-lose. It's basically a liquid diuretic. And I've been told by one of our amazing district nurses that it draws moisture out of the bowel walls and softens your stools. And I've learned, in my experience, an underdose or an overdose has led for me, do you know what I mean, to some very um, enlightening experiences. Like trying to mine lumps of coal out of a rose-budding arsehole while being very careful not to mine one of her piles, to, like, using a like a Mr. Whippy fucking ice cream machine, but instead of a cone, using extra large tanner ladies, catching them as she's curling one out. A bit like one of those French waffle stands. But you know what I mean? But even though now, I was thinking, you know what I mean? Even though I haven't had anal sex for a long time, mainly due to our fucking, what to you call it, fucking global pandemic, you know. I know that that when I do, and there is a little brown accident, you know, and the aroma whiffs into the air, I can breathe deeply and look down at shit with no more shame. But I have been thinking since this call now, but maybe there'll be a whole new other trauma. Anyway, love and peace, always the carer.
2: Uh (laughs) I laugh in absolute solidarity and love and gorgeousness, the carer. Thank you so much for calling in. Well, first off, didn't I just say I loved a shit story? Look at that. Um, If you don't follow me on Instagram, you can find me at at fat. I often will ask people to tell me about their poo stories on there. And so I guess that's why this person <laughs> has told me about their mother's rose-butting <laughs> oh, oh, there's something so wrong and so right and human about the whole thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, just speaking about Grandad there, totally... Totally. I, I hear this to be so true as somebody who was one of my granddad's carers as well. And I'm glad that actually this role of being a carer and your role as homosexualist have merged together. They found a, a shared space of learning, haven't they? Um, there's nothing quite realer than when you are wiping an elder's bum in your life. And um, just thinking, well, it's going to happen to us all, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's, I mean, the, it's sort of a reason to have kids and not to have kids. <laughs> the carer, thank you so much for calling in. And this feels like a great moment to have a breather after we've been talking about poo and some of you are probably dry retching. Um <laughs> If you would like to support us, remember we are very newly back on the scene. So we've very quickly got to re-establish ourselves with the subscribes and the reviews and all of that palaver. So if you could subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, that would be gorgeous. And um, you could share this with your friends and family. Maybe your auntie Valerie wants to know where she can listen to it. I believe it's going to be on them all, on all those different places you can get podcasts. Uh, you might even fancy giving us a review if your platform allows it. Uh, give us a couple of stars, write a few lines about what you thought. And you, who knows, you might want to leave us a message for next week. So if you do, load up the WhatsApp and leave us a voice note at this number. Zero, seven, double eight, 200, three four two zero we'd also love to know what you think uh, apparently (laughs) so on all socials please use after the tone pod p-o-d um and you can also tag me as scotty is fat right let's go on with the show
1: hi scotty it's maggie here i'm calling you all the way from sunny spain about an hour north of barcelona in a tiny little village in the middle of nowhere and it's my birthday and i'm pulling pork in a little smokery restaurant which is a lovely thing to be doing especially as i'm bloody vegetarian so happy cumpleaños feliz to me and um and lots of love and i love what you're doing and hi everybody bye
2: cumpleaños indeed oh buenos dias or buenas noches whenever you're listening to this pulling pork I'm sure you are dear no see what I did there listeners it was a double entendre doubler entendre dubla it's a double meaning yeah I mean it's not great to be handling uh, sorry all I can now think of it just has turned into a carry on isn't it carry on Espana <laughs> It's not great to be handling meat when you're a vegetarian, is it, darling? Uh, <laughs> I was, little unknown, in fact, I was a vegetarian for about 10 years in my life, actually. And then I went to Spain and, well, in broken Spanish, asked them for vegetables and was given salami. So, salumi. So there you go. basically, a multilingual, I should, you know what? Maybe we'll do this episode in Spanish as well. It won't be as funny. Oh, look at me. Look at the audacity of me saying that this is funny. (laughs) But first international call. Round of applause. You know what? Love that, getting a little message from the Spain. I was going to say Spain. Because any Spanish-speaking friends that I've had, they always say my name in this very beautiful way. Escot. Escot. Uh, Do you know what? I absolutely love it.
6: I'm in a uh, beautiful place right now, by the sea in Wales, and um, I was just thinking about, uh, you know, what we want for the world after this monumental crisis. I'm a mental health person, I guess you would say, and I've worked in this space for about 30 years, and I, I think all of that time... I would have really have loved for society in general to be more trauma-informed and by that I mean, you know, that we are compassionate, empathic, that we're not judgmental, that we really understand difference, that we really think about what's happened to people rather than what's wrong with them. This is an opportunity like no other. Most people who've experienced lockdown will have come out a different person. Most people who've experienced COVID-19 will come out of it a different person, their families, friends. Many people will be exposed to quite complex grief. I think that as we go forward, the only possible way to rebuild a kind, loving and accepting society is by really thinking deeply about what people need. And what people need is to be understood. They need to be given the space to recover, to think, to revitalise, to rebuild relationships. And we can only do that by changing our focus, changing our way of being, our way of thinking about mental health as if it's somebody else's problem. It's everybody's problem now. Around the world, there are millions of people trying to work out what next. What next has to be a better way? By being trauma informed, we're actually rebalancing power between people and professionals by the system and those people that need it. We're giving people the opportunity to tell their story in a way that can be welcomed and understood in the context of their lives, but also in the context of what people can do to help. When I think of a trauma-informed way of life, I guess, I'm thinking about teaching children about stories, about people's lives, the impact that abuse, neglect, chaos can have for generations. I'm thinking about workplaces that really adopt a sensibility about people as individuals and not make blanket kind of policy about what do we do if somebody's not performing well enough I'm talking about communities that develop groups and support around people's needs not around what we think people need things really have got to change we know that the mental health of the nation, of the world has taken a kick in a kicking in a way that it never has before The time is now to make this change. And I hope that we can all understand why it's important. That we can really move to a place of understanding forgiveness. Trauma is linked to lifelong shame. Shame is linked to lifelong mental illness and othering. We can turn that around. It's now in our gift. What an opportunity. Let's see what happens next. Mm.
2: There's a lot to think about there. I mean, first off, second international call, it came from Wales. You can hear the goals in the background, wasn't that nice? It felt a bit like going into therapy, didn't it? It felt like someone was playing that in the background whilst your psychotherapist was saying to you, you are mental, but there are seagulls in the background. It's okay. Um where to start with that? I guess some context that these thoughts will now come from somebody who's lived with depression since the age of 14, someone who has a burgeoning diagnosis that is evolving around OCD, anxiety and eating disorders. Um, and so there's uh, the sort of truth of the matter about what happened in lockdown, I think or my friends who have similar presentations to me, was that we felt, <laughs> sounds so awful to say, we felt like, yeah, now you all know what it's like. Because everyone was suddenly living with this anxiety of like death or work or money or how's it, like everyone was on this hyper anxiety. So everyone had experienced it. But also in the same breath where people were like, oh, I'm finding this really difficult there was a real, this is really honest. And, you know, I say these things and I don't say them flippantly. I just say them from a place of honesty, not from a place of truth, which they're, they're two different things, that feeling and, and fact. That when people are like, oh my God, this is awful. I was like, I can do this. I've been preparing for this for forever. I've been preparing for the worst to happen since I was a kid. And there's a part of what happened in lockdown which I want to retain the slowness the ease in which I was able to access mental health services because all of a sudden mental health provision could be given to me over the phone and by video all of a sudden we worked out that we were able to give people access to mental health support in ways that had been denied of us before and when you were talking there about our responsibility within all of this I think of course I hear that and I totally hear that to be true about our behaviours and our attitudes towards people like myself and other people with more violent um, more life-threatening presentations but we can't escape the fact this is also political to say it's us that need to do the work I think is too Tory for me If this is government, this is government priority that's going to take more than one of the princes saying mental health is a thing for it to be addressed. There's also another weird thing that I don't think I've ever said out loud before. And I'll say it now and I don't don't know... I don't know the consequence to it. But I don't think I'm looking to be cured. I don't think... I want rid of the way that I see the world. I don't want to live with the very paralyzing anxiety, but I do want to continue to see the world in the way that I do. And I think those of us who are certified mentals, I think we see the world in a really genius way. But yeah, I like your call to arms, your generous message to us to think, and reflect about how we move forward. But I just want to add a footer on there and be like, bun the Tories. <laughs> Thanks for calling. And that's it. That that was episode one. It was a, <laughs> I think in the world of show business, they call it a mixed bag. It was not, It was lovely, wasn't it? We've done lots of different versions of emotions. I think, would say. And I've had a, a lot, a lot of laughs, as dear Sylla Black once said when she was alive. Uh, so we are back next week. That is, if you remember to send us voice notes, because remember, if you don't send us voice notes, this podcast doesn't happen. And what a threat that is to you and your life. <laughs> Right now, um, as you know, I'm very partial to a bit of gossip. I don't need to know who the gossip is about necessarily for me to be of interest. I'm I'm just nosy. I'm also keen, very keen to hear um, if you texted your ex during lockdown and where that ended up and where that got you. And even more scandalous, I am kind of interested to know who you were having it off with during lockdown because I know a lot of people were when we weren't supposed to. So. If that's you, if you'd like to leave us a voice note, if you'd like to talk about wiping the bum of an elder in your family, all you have to do is load up the WhatsApp and send a voice note to this number 0788 200 3420. That's it. I'll be back next week. Uh, remember, please do try and support us in any way that you can by subscribing, sharing, or reviewing. And remember, you can contact us using hashtag After the Tone Pod or contact me at Scotty's or across all of those different versions of social medias. And we will see you this time next week, dickheads. Have a good one.
5: After the, tone. Leave your message after, the tone.
2: after the tone is presented by me, Scotty, produced by Debbie Kilbride, with shout-outs this week to Liv Morris, Lorraine Bowen, JJ Cranston and Podcast.co. It's a Debbie Productions production.